I want to talk about today strange companions, but I'm not talking about people being weird. I'm talking about a miracle that God is doing in your life and mine. Did you know that if someone is in here for the first time today, and there are a number of you, that one of the questions in your mind or in your heart, whether you articulate it or not, is, is there anyone else like me in here? Or are they all really different? Is there anyone else like me in here? It's kind of like if you're renting a place or buying a place, within the first five minutes you'll know, and a lot of people make up their minds apparently, from research done all over the world, within the first few minutes, will I ever come back again? If you are wondering, and you're here today, and you're asking yourself the question, is there anyone else like me in here? The answer is... Yes! Hallelujah! Yes! Yes! I want to talk today about Acts chapter 10 because for us as a church and a community and our vision of who we are, where we're going, how we do life together is encapsulated in Acts chapter 10. It's one of about a half a dozen incredibly important chapters. All the Bible is important, but these stand out as being um, revolutionary and a pivot in the early Christian church. So, I'm talking about Acts chapter 10. There's a beginning, a middle, and the end. The thing about the middle of Acts chapter 10 is that it's only a sentence or two, and most people that I've ever heard just read on through. And that is where we miss something powerful and incredible that impacts you and me today. So I'm going to pray that Acts chapter 10, oh God, let it speak to every heart here. Break down, oh God, any icy walls in our hearts. And we come against any argument that would come from the evil one. That would speak against, not my word, your word. Come, Holy Spirit, and inhabit this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before I read some of Acts chapter 10, let me introduce you to some of the characters. Now I'm going to ask, be asking you a couple of times during this word, I'm going to say, are you tracking me? Now, I just think it's a good term. I learned it first in America. It's when people had the old VHS videos. You had to track stuff. In other words, it means, are you following? So I'm going to ask, are you following me? Are you, are you tracking me? And if you're not, just say no, and I'll go back over it, okay? All right, one person said yes. Everyone else okay? Okay, praise God. So Acts chapter 10. Here's the first guy. His name is Simon the Tanner. When I was a young boy, I can just about remember it, at age five or six, the money changed the following year. But I remember there was an old sixpence piece. And we used to call it, anyone remember? Tanner. <laughs> Tanner! <laughs> We used to call it a tanner, uh, but you have to be a certain vintage, really, to know what that was. What was on it? Was it um, a greyhound, or what was on it? Anyone remember? There was, anyway, the old Irish coins had beautiful Irish you know, animals found in Ireland. But this isn't a sixpence piece. A tanner 
was and is someone whose job, whose trade, was to get dead animals and to scrape the blood, the muscle, the hair, the guts, the bits of bone off of the animal's hide and turn it into leather. And if you were a tanner, nobody really wanted to hang around with you. If you were a tanner and you were walking down the street, all the girls walked across the street because nobody wanted to smell you. The smell was horrendous. And where these guys lived wasn't exactly salubrious. You can go to Morocco today, Marrakesh, Tangier and so on, and there's a huge trade. They're still doing this. But it, it's really... It was a trade that was looked down on. You kind of weren't at the top of society if you were a tanner. We read in Acts chapter 10, Peter stayed at the home of Simon the tanner for many days while he was in Joppa. That's actually the last verse, I should say, of Acts 9, verse 43, before we go into Acts 10. And Joppa changed its name over the years to Jaffa, if you ever got an orange, a Jaffa orange, this is where it comes from. And Jaffa today is a, a suburb of the big city known as Tel Aviv in Israel on the Mediterranean coast. So that's where we're based. But Simon the Tanner would have been a believer, would have opened up his home. And this guy, Peter, who many of us have met before in the Bible, he would have stayed there. I always describe to myself Peter as a mercurial character. What does that mean? Mercury is a, is a I forget the name, I've got a blank, but when I was a small boy, um, we used to have a weather clock in our hallway near the front door. And every morning before we'd go out as children, we would look at the weather clock and the mercury was in this little tube. And if it was going to be warm, the mercury would go higher and you'd see all of the markings. It's going to hit 18 degrees, 19 degrees. We'd be going, oh, wouldn't it be great if it hit 20 degrees? That would be a scorcher. A scorcher, like 20 degrees. But then if it got cold, the mercury would go down and you'd see it going on. I don't know why my mother and father never just checked the weather app on their iPhones. I don't know what was going on there. But that's how we could try and tell what way the weather was. But mercurial means someone you don't quite know who they're going to be today. I think we all know people like that. And Peter was a bit like that in his original state. He was a fiery guy who often had a foot in the mouth. You never really knew, but God had a hand on his life. Hallelujah. And what we read is that Peter, this guy, went to stay in the home of Simon the Tanner. He went up on the roof, which is outdoors, obviously. And you know what happens to smell? It rises. How many people here would say they've got a good sense of smell? I don't, but I know Michael does. Just put up your hands, you've got a, a good sense of smell. Okay, that's about a quarter of us here. So you will get it. I probably could go up to the roof of Simon the Tanner's house and I wouldn't be knocked out as much as you would. My beloved wife Denise would have a very good sense of smell as well. He's up there, he has a vision from the Lord. Would you believe he gets hungry while he's up there? Hello, he's a, he's a tough guy. But he has a vision and a word from God. And to encapsulate it, 
This is what the Holy Spirit said to Peter. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And if you read it, you can read it yourself in Acts chapter 10. He saw like a big sheet coming down where all the unclean animals that Jews would never eat, never eat. And God is saying, they're clean. So Peter knew, this is weird. You see, sometimes in your life, God will pivot you. He'll just change the direction. And that was what was going on here with Peter and by extension, the Christian church, and by extension, us today. So Peter sees this, and he's praying on the roof. So that's the second guy, and another guy who isn't directly in the story, the narrative, yet his name is Cornelius. He was a Roman centurion, a captain of the army of Rome. He was staying in a place called Caesarea, which was further north on the coast from today's Tel Aviv, up towards Haifa. Caesarea was built and named for the Romans and named after Caesar Augustus, the emperor. And it was really the center of power for that whole area of northern Israel, Lebanon, Syria. And that's where he was based. And that was on the coast as well. And so he's further up. And what we know about him, he's the unseen character so far in this. But we're told in Acts 10, 1 to 6, to synopsize it. At Caesarea was a centurion called Cornelius, a devout God-fearing man. He saw a vision of an angel saying, your prayers and your generosity ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring a man called Peter here. He's staying at the home of one Simon the Tanner. So Cornelius, who's not a Jew, he didn't go to the synagogue, he wasn't part of it, but we're told he was God-fearing in some of the most unbelievable places, you can find the people of God. You can find those who, whose hearts God is changing. And this man was changing and he really began to fear God and we're told he generously helped the poor in his area. And it goes on to say, Peter, back in the house of Simon the Tanner, these are all happening simultaneously, so he was wondering about what the vision might mean and there was a knock at the door and Cornelius's men asked if a man called Peter was staying there. The Holy Spirit then said to Peter, three men are at the door asking for you. Go with them because I have sent them. Cornelius has a vision up in Caesarea. Are you tracking me? Yeah. Okay. Anyone lost? No. Cool. He gets a vision. He then sends these men down. Nobody knows anyone. It's not like they all checked him out on Facebook or Instagram or something. No one knew anyone. And so by faith, Cornelius sends men down. By faith, these guys go down. By faith, Peter knows something strange is going on here. And by faith, he hears the Holy Spirit giving him direction. Remember. When someone has a vision, when Peter has a vision, it's not like it physically happened. It was in his mind's eye. And if you will, the voice is in his mind's ear. If you love God, over time, you'll develop a sensitivity to what is often known as the still, small voice. Yeah. 
It's like the whisper of heaven. It's like God prompting you, directing you, whispering to you. Sometimes you get it wrong, but as time goes on, you'll know what's of yourself and what's of God. So Peter is hearing this. How can people say we don't need the Holy Spirit? I will never understand that. Goes on and says, when Peter went down to them, he said, I'm the one you're looking for. Why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you here? We've been sent by Cornelius, a God-fearing man, well respected by all the Jews. An angel told him to send for you to come to his house to hear what you have to say. So Peter invited them to be his guests for the night and they left the next day. And it goes on, and you can read it yourself, it tells us about one of the most incredible meetings you could be at. A bit like Pentecost, uh, when the Holy Spirit fell. A powerful meeting, read it, it changed the future. But I wanna stop here, because I wanna focus here, because I think that is so speaking to you and me today. And I wanna talk about our vision as a church, as a community, who we are, what I have personally poured 43 years of my life into what I have given my money and my time and my talent to. Because we don't do it for money, we don't do it for ego or for being popular, because it doesn't work in Ireland like that. But we do it because God has put a fire in our bellies. Amen. In our bellies, in our souls, and we want to see a different way of life in our city. Hallelujah. Amen. What's going on? First of all, who was at the door? It was a Roman soldier. Cornelius sent, and I quote, a devout soldier to Joppa along with two servants. Now, Roman soldiers didn't put on their tracksuit when they were off duty. Roman soldiers didn't have good wear. Anywhere they went, they went around in their uniform. Everyone knew straight away who a Roman soldier was. So if a Roman soldier knocked at your front door back then, it's a bit like the Gardaí, the Irish police, coming to your door. Hmm. Yeah? How would you feel if you come down to your door and there's the police standing at your door? You're going to give them a lot more attention than, say, a fella selling raffle tickets, aren't you? Okay, some of you go, no, I love raffle tickets. Oh. <laughs> they, they, you, they'll get your attention. Why? Because just like the Roman soldier, they represented the state, the power of the state, the finances of the state. You, you are mine, our future, whether we're going to be prosecuted or put to jail or sent out of the country, and I could go on and on and on. You pay attention to these guys. A fella selling a raffle ticket isn't that important. It actually reminds me, if you've just moved here from Ireland, you need to know about raffle tickets. About um, 15, maybe 18 years ago, there was a girl, we're going to call her Annika, she moved here from Germany. And uh, she started telling me that where she was living, um, she was getting fed up of these guys coming to her front door selling raffle tickets for the local GA club the GAA, the Irish Hurling and Football Sport thing. It's a big thing here. And they were selling tickets for the local club. And she said, well, why is they coming to my door? I have no interest in these things. And I said, 
Do you know what, Annika? Here's the best way you handle it if you don't want to buy a raffle ticket. This works in Ireland, all right? I said, what you do is you say, ah, thanks a million, but you're grand. All the best. I said, that's how you say it. And she kind of gave me a weird look. And for a couple of weeks afterwards, anytime I saw her, I'd go, hi, Annika. Hello. And, and I got this kind of cool look, and in the end, about, I don't know, six weeks later, I decided to talk to her and I said, have you had any more raffle ticket sellers come to the door? She says, yes, I have. So I said, how did it go? And she said, I sold every one of them. I do not gamble. Go from here. I do not buy your tickets. You are annoying me. Go. I will not do this. Go. I said, Annika, you can't say that in Ireland. <laughs> and she said, but what you said is two-faced. <laughs> You're a two-faced pasta. I'm a two-faced pasta. I said, that's how we communicate. He knows what I'm saying. I know what I'm saying. He knows that I know what he's saying. That's just how we communicate. There's no confusion. We just do it in a different way. If you want to say no to an Irish person, just go, ah, you're grand. It's all about saving face. It's all about showing politeness. We know what we're saying. We just do it in a different way. Uh, respect to all Germans here, amen? I'm not getting at you. I'm not just using it as an example. And I said to her, finally, I said, what did he say to you, Annika? She said, he told me I was grand. <laughs> <laughs> a raffle ticket seller is not going to get your attention tonight at your door compared to a Garda. I can never forget one night about 1.30 in the morning, there was a knock on my door, and when I went down and I saw the guards at the door, the police, I said, this isn't good, and it wasn't. I was told a young woman in our church had died suddenly, leaving a devastated husband and two very young children. Her name was Diane Kenny, some of you may remember. Yeah. It was tragic, the poor girl just died suddenly. Something to do with having given birth, I don't know what it was. So if the police are at your door, you know it's not good news usually. And so Peter, and I'm trying to get you and I in our mind's eye to beat Peter, coming down the stairs and seeing this fella at the door, and within a nanosecond, within a heartbeat, Peter looks at him, he sees the uniform, and he knows, number one, he's not a Jew. Remember now, the Jews didn't have anything to do with the non-Jews, the Gentiles. He's not a Jew. And number two, he represents something that Peter didn't like. Remember, it wasn't that long before this, at the arrest of Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane, we're told, Mercurial Peter, Peter took out his sword and struck Malchus, the high priest's slave, cutting off his right ear. Lovely Peter, gentle and mild. Hello, Malchus was a slave. Um, if you're a slave, you don't get a choice. The high priest who was really representing the Romans, in effect, the high priest's slave, he cuts off his ear. If you read through it, Jesus rebuked Peter and he healed Malchus's ear. Hallelujah. Even when we make mistakes, God cleans up the mess. He cleans up your mess. And my mess, 
because he's a gracious God. Hallelujah. So this is Peter. My question is, Peter, who are you today? Are you the street fighter or are you the apostle? If you're a street fighter and you're in here today, God can turn you into an apostle. We'll say hallelujah. We'll say hallelujah. He's the God who changes us. Peter was a street fighter. Peter was constantly making mistakes, but God kept changing him like he's changing you. Yes. Amen. Not finished yet. We're not who we want to be, but we're not who we used to be. Hallelujah. So that second, that heartbeat, when the bold Peter comes down the stairs and sees the Roman soldier, his instinct, and we all still have instincts, doesn't mean we're sinful, they're just part of us from growing up. Roman soldier, you're the invader, you're the occupier, you're the enemy, you are brutal, you are a murderer, you're a Gentile. This fella stood no chance naturally naturally so when peter came down i don't think peter answered the door and went hiya great to see you how are you doing boy give me five peter didn't do that peter would have answered the door like mm. <laughs> what did peter say let's have a look at this let's read the scripture I'm the one you're looking for. Why, why are you here? Now, Peter had known the still small voice. He knew God was saying something. But he still asks the question, why are you here? And we just read how the Roman soldier, the enemy, spoke words of life. You see, a normal Jew would have spoken to these guys out in the street and then once he had finished his conversation, you never invited them in, he would have said, look, there's an inn, a hotel, boarding house down the street. Stay there tonight and I'll talk to you again in the morning in the street. That's what would be reasonably expected of him. But Peter doesn't do that. Peter says, or the Bible says, he invited them in to be his guests. He broke Jewish tradition. He broke away from his mother and father told him and his grandmother and his grandfather. He broke away from all of the neighbors, everything they ever did. He broke away from the old faith he had. What? Why? Why? You see, the thing is, if you read back, we're told, the Holy Spirit said to Peter, three men are at the door asking for you, Go with them because I have sent you. God never said to Peter, and invite them in to be your guests for the night. And if you invite someone in to be your guest, you have to feed them. Which was a no for a Jew. You never ate with a Gentile. Why did Peter do that? He had no need to do it. I'll tell you why he did it. Peter was an extra mile kind of guy. We can have a little laugh, and I can have a little laugh, but you didn't know what kind of Peter you were going to get. He was very instinctive, and you didn't know whether he'd lose the cool or what, or he'd say something stupid, but he was an extra mile man. He didn't have to invite them in, but he invited them in anyway. Because of who he was, and because he knew God was in it. 
Can I challenge you? Can I challenge you? Can I challenge myself? Sometimes, let's go the extra mile. Let's go beyond even what God is saying. Why? Because we know God is in this. We know God is in it. He could have been so easily excused by pointing them down the street to stay in the inn or the boarding house, but he invites them in to be his guests. Now, you go, but it wasn't even his house. Hello, Peter. This isn't your gaff at all, boy. You, this isn't your house. What are you doing? But you see, in Jewish custom and in the Middle East, if you were an honored guest in someone's home, it really became your home. It's like, me casa, tu casa, that kind of thing. It's like, this is your home. And so, because Simon the Tanner would have admired Peter, he would have accepted what Peter was going to do. And Peter going to the home of Simon the Tanner in Joppa. Joppa was a big place. Joppa was a wealthy place. Many people became Christians there. Peter could have stayed at anyone's home, but he chose to stay in the smelly fella's house. He chose to stay in the home that none of the girls wanted to hang out with. He chose to be where there was the smell of rotting flesh and a bit of old cow's brain as you come in the front door or whatever. He chooses. And I can imagine, this is just me, I can imagine Peter going, Jesus Christ, my Savior, choose to be born in a stable. I'm going to choose to be here. And strangely enough, this was the perfect place because no one wanted to hang out in a tanner's house or in that part of town. And what it meant was you didn't have too many Pharisees around the place. You know, the fellows who were full of judgment, you know, the Jews who tithed their their mint and cumin, their herbs, and forgot the weightier matter of the law. No, no, no. None of them were around. So this was the perfect place. So Peter, by inviting them in, because God said, nothing is unclean. You're in a new day, Peter. You're in a new day. There's a new community raising up on the face of the earth, Peter. Peter, the old enemies aren't your enemies anymore. At the 10 o'clock service, I was sharing, I was talking to Charles Hancock, who is from England, and I was saying, my grandparents hated English people. They fought in the Irish War of Independence and they saw death and discrimination and all of that. God forbid that I should hate anyone English. Who'll say amen? amen. Christians aren't called to be like that. I remember in the great, um, in the Good Friday Agreement in Ireland and the peace agreement that came out of it, one of the main architects of that was a man called John Hume, long dead now. But I remember he said, talking about the Irish and the British in Northern Ireland, and he said, why should I look down on you just because of an accident of birth? All of the things that we think make us different actually are only skin deep. It's what is God doing in your heart that's who you really are. That's who you will be more and more. Hallelujah. So Peter, Peter is an early adapter. He is full on and he is saying, I'm willing to break a stupid rule that God is no longer in. And I'm willing to do it because something powerful is happen happening. So he invites in the Roman soldier, but a devout man a God-fearing man, like his master Cornelius. And who else came in that night? Well, we're told there were servants. 
What does that mean? There were two of them. We don't know their names. But boy, do they represent so many of us. Who were these people? Well, we know from Acts 10 too, that Cornelius, this guy up in Caesarea, all his household fear God. He chose servants, and one of his first things was, do you fear God? Do you love God and do you fear him? Do you fear God? Can you say amen if you fear God? Amen. Do you love God? Amen. Cornelius, that was so important. But they were not Jews because Jews wouldn't work for in a Gentile home. Neither would they have been Romans because if they were Romans, they wouldn't lord themselves out there like that. These were a third people group, basically called Greeks. It didn't mean they came from Greece. It was a catch-all term. You could be from Greece, but you could be a Phoenician from Lebanon, an Arab. You could be from North Africa. You could be from anywhere. And here are these two guys who were Gentiles, but they would have loved and feared God also. So brothers and sisters, I submit to you. Are you still tracking me? Yes. I submit to you. I suggest to you something powerful happened that night in the house of Simon the Tanner. A strange, confusing, wonderful night. The tanner called Simon, the apostle Peter, the Roman soldier, and the two Greek servants. What happened that night? The Bible doesn't say, but I promise you, this must have happened. Peter would have given, and Simon would have given him a meal. So they would have eaten together. And it is impossible to imagine that they weren't talking about God. They weren't talking about their faith journey. They weren't talking about their fear and their love of God. If I meet with other Christians, we may talk for the first 10 minutes about the weather and the price of eggs or the lovely car out there, but we're always going to get on to talk about God because that's who we are. Is it you? No? Yeah? Is it you? Yes. Okay, sure. You talk about God. You talk about how God changed your life. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah for all the other things. But the most important thing that ever happened to you or me is that God started changing our lives. And when he starts changing our lives, he starts changing the lives of people around us. So that strange, confusing, wonderful night, Simon, who no one wanted to hang around with, Peter, the mercurial apostle who would stab you as soon as give you a hug. A Roman soldier who I'd say didn't know what was going on. And two poor servants who didn't fit into any category. And yet God drew five incredibly different people together in the one place at the one time. And so the following morning, when they would have traveled north up to Caesarea for that incredible, powerful, Holy Spirit-filled meeting that changed the future, it all was happening the night before when these five guys started to have a bit of bonding and they knew God was in this. Why was there such an outpouring of the Holy Spirit at that meeting? Read about it yourself. It's a whole other sermon. Because God was preparing all the hearts. Cornelius was being prepared. Peter was being prepared. That devout soldier 
from Rome, who knows his background, but God was preparing them all. And there was such a bond, such a dynamic from that strange, wonderful night when they were all kind of looking around going, I've never been in this situation before. If you're here for the first time and you're saying, I've never been in this situation before, this is a taste of your future, hallelujah. Amen. This is a little taste, a weak taste of what heaven will be like. Because God brought together people who were so different. There are hotels being burned down all over our country because people don't want the other living near them. People are afraid. And that used to be Ireland. I want to stand up and maybe, I don't know, I'm a voice in the wilderness. I don't care. I want to stand up and I want to say, communities like this, we are different. Amen. We see all men and women as equal. Can you say a loud hallelujah? Hallelujah. hallelujah? hallelujah. There is no slave or free. There is no Jew or Greek. There is no male or female. Hallelujah. There is no Irish or English. There is no white Afrikaner or black person. There is no Asian and German or Latino and Eskimo. We are all one in Jesus Christ. So we are pouring our lives, as God is my judge, we are pouring everything into building a community that says yes to God and no to what the society is going. If you were an Arab from Gaza and another person was a Jew from Tel Aviv and God had invaded your heart, you would have your hands around one another in here today. Who'll say amen. amen? Because how can you love God? How can you say you love God and hate your brother? Amen. You can't. It's impossible. And so this strange, wonderful night was doing something powerful. You want peace in your life? You can't have peace. Unless first you make your peace with God. And then you make your peace with others. After that, you know real peace. And I can see it in people's faces. I can see those who are tormented. God help them. And I see those who really have the peace of God. Make your peace with God and make your peace with your brothers and sisters, with others. Amen. Don't have a fight. Fight the evil one. Yeah. Fight the evil one. I love what probably one of the most famous pastors in the United States said. He would have laid hands and prayed over a number of US presidents at their inauguration. That's the esteem he's held in. Some of you know him well. He's an author, a broadcaster, a pastor. His name is Rick Warren. He says, we are created for community. We are fashioned for fellowship. We are formed for a family and none of us can fulfill God's purposes on our own. Amen. Hallelujah. Your future, if you really will live up to your destiny, if you really want to stand before God after you die, you cannot do it by just saying, I had a great time, me and Jesus on our own. It has to be part of something bigger than you and bigger than me. Because everything in the Bible was written either to Christian churches or to the leaders of Christian churches. You can't do Christianity without the local church. Can I get an amen? amen. Wow, that's powerful. Hallelujah. 
Sometimes I wish it was different, but God knows better. We have to have one another. And if we want one another, we have to welcome difference. I promise you, it's skin deep. You're better than that. You're deeper than that. You're just not going to look at, I don't know, what someone's hobby is. You've got more to you than that. So is he or she. And if the blood of Jesus is washing over you, we are family. I share blood with you. I love doing family. I love my brother and sister. I love my nieces and nephews. Above any of them, I love my wife and my son and my daughter and my grandkids. I love my cousins. They're like brothers and sisters to me. I love my family. But the first people I would call if I needed help are you. You're my blood. You're my real blood. You see, we have all chosen this. The other is, if you will, to use a bad term, an accident of birth. Our vision as a Christian church here in Cork is to see our city change because we change first. And everyone out in McCurtain Street, and I've heard it loads of times, and they see white people and black people, Asians and Latinos, blonde Germans and dark Nepalese or whatever, Male, female, young, old, illiterate and professors coming in the door. Why? Because we are family. And God is raising up a people, not just here at Grace, all over Ireland and all over the world. God is raising up an army. And it's an army whose message is not cheesy. It's called love. The love of Jesus Christ that changes our hearts and changes the future. This is what heaven will be like. Do you think it's only Irish people in heaven? Don't say yes, don't say yes. (laughs) Do you think it's only people from the Bible Belt? It's only the beautiful, it's only the young, it's only the educated, it's only the, I don't know, sporting? No, no. Heaven is every tribe, every tongue. So we're gonna celebrate celebrate that here today. And I'm gonna do something different as the band comes up. Michael's gonna lead us in a song called Build Your Kingdom Here. It's about what we are building and we're doing it not because we came up with a great idea. We're doing it because it's all over the Bible. And what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna ask people, so think of this, maybe you're willing. Instead of doing our usual prayer, I'm gonna ask people to be a symbol of your people group, young and old, male and female, Africa, the continent of Europe, Latin America, Asia, you will represent a people group that you come from. And we're gonna pray a blessing to you because when we bless you, we bless ourselves. And we're gonna declare what part of our vision is moving forward. Why are we in this building? Why did we pour all the money and the time and the heartache into having a building like this? So we could mix together. Why have we got a big atrium upstairs with coffee and food up there? So we can connect together. Who'll say hallelujah? That's what they did in the early Christian church. That's what Jesus said. Will you stand with me? Have a consideration. I'm going to call for representatives of different people groups. Maybe you'll come and represent them. But let's remind ourselves through song, through an anthem, what God has called us to do. Michael. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts.
And you're not wondering about it. You're comfortable being a woman. Could I have someone who is a woman come up to the top? Jeep, up you come, up you come. Do we have any men? You're comfortable being a man and you are going to represent. We'll get you in a minute, Desi, because we had you in the early one. Anyone who's going to be a man or who is a man? <laughs> not, not going to be a man. Who's a man who's willing to come up? Okay, no men in the hall. Come on. Yeah, up you come. Is that John Noonan? Up you come. Give John a round of applause. Could I have somebody who comes from Africa, Nigeria, Congo, Sierra Leone, any of those? Who have we got? Muna from Sierra Leone. That's right. Give Muna a round of applause. Hallelujah. Do we have anyone from South Africa, a white South African? We'd love to have someone representing your people group. Anyone come up? Good man! Duncan Austin and his daughter Hannah. Give them a round of applause. Could we have someone who is Irish, born here, family here for a long, long time? Anyone willing to come up? Tony McAvoy. Yeah, up you come. And Anna Driscoll. Great. Give them a round of applause. God bless you. Could we have someone from the continent of Europe? France, Germany, Hungary, Poland, Italy. Oh, we've got a German, Tina! Hallelujah! Well done, Tina. Thank you. Could, I know Tribute Church is downstairs, so all the cool teens are down there. But could we have someone who is either a teen or in your 20s, just representing young people? Who's going to come up to the top? Do I see a hand? Just run up. Who are you? Come on up. 
Hey, who we got? Well done. We've got two praise gods. That's Europe from Hungary, Katie, and we've got Elisa as well representing young people. Could I have someone who is older, mature? Because there is neither old nor young. Anyone else representing those who's mature? And if you're ashamed of being mature, you should. Who have we got? Anne Dunn, give her a round of applause. Hallelujah. Can I make a suggestion to you? When you see all these different faces, representing all different types of people, they are you. And you are them. Yeah, we've all got our own individuality and all that, but they are you and we are them. God has called us to connect. He's called us to be one. So what I'm gonna do, guys, who you've come up, we had this at the 10. Could you make a circle and just put your hand on the shoulders? Make a circle at the top. No, you gotta move up from the sides. Come on, make a circle in the middle. That's it, close the circle. Hallelujah. If you're up for it, you don't have to. Can I ask people, are you willing to come up and lay hands on these guys? And as we pray for them, representing all the different types of people in the church, that we will pray a blessing over them. Welcome and lay hands on them. Who's willing to do that? Four people, five. Come on, anyone else willing to come up and pray a blessing? It's not that hard. You bless others, God will bless you. Praise God, hallelujah. That's it, there's room, there's room, up you come. You represent your people and you're praying for someone who's not like you because we are one people. Can I ask everyone else, if you're up for it, you don't have to, would you raise a hand forward and just point as it were towards these people. We are doing this not before me, before God. Are we ready to pray? And Cheney, lads, are we awake? Are we ready to pray? Hallelujah. And so we thank you, God, for the white and the black. Sorry, I never called up, forgive me. Forgive me, we need some more. Asia, who will represent Asia? Oh, we've got someone here. Anyone represent Latin countries? Brazil or Spain or, oh, up you come. Give them a round of applause, squeeze in, guys. Yeah, squeeze in. Go on, you have to go into the center now. You're in the in crowd, okay? Muna and Anne, just let this guy in behind you there. What's your name? Guto. Guto. And you're from Brazil, is it? Good. No, no, you don't have to go in the middle. Just join the gang, okay? Just put your hands on them. Good man. Thank you, Guto. Have I forgotten any Eskimos or whatever? Anyone feeling left out? No? Okay. Can we put our hands forward and let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for the difference. And God's people said, you're the God who created a huge abundance in nature of colors, of plants, of climates, and of people. And while we're all different, there's only one human race. And while, oh God, we may be different on the surface, we've got blood with one another. And so symbolically, we pray for these guys because they are representing the Latins and the Germans, the Asians and the Irish, the black, the white, the young, the old, the male, the female. And we pray blessing 
into their lives. Who'll say bless? You gotta say blessing at the counter three. One, two, three. Blessing. Ah, come on, with a bit more courage and confidence. One, two, three. Blessing. Woo, hallelujah. As we bless, bless these guys and who they represent, we know God. That blessing comes back on us twofold, sevenfold. And so we pray that nobody in this community would ever feel different, would ever feel left out, would ever feel like a leper. There are no tanners that we will cross the road from. There is nobody that we will not associate. Oh God, you are our peace who has broken down every wall. Break down the wall between us and you. Break down the wall between one another and give us each as individuals deep peace in our hearts. We thank you, God, that we are part of something wonderful on planet Earth. An army is rising that will change the world through the love of God, and we get to be part of it. Bless our brothers and sisters and give us gracious, wide hearts and help us to be extra mild men and women in the kingdom.